Hello, everyone. This is Belinda Carr, and you're listening to my podcast on building science, products, and technology. As we know, the construction industry is ripe for disruption and automation. It has been reliant on manual labor and outdated tech for far too long, which has led to lagging productivity. Every week, I chat with a company that is exploring ways to tackle these issues. Today, I'm speaking with John Fay, CEO and founder of LadaCube in Grand Junction, Colorado. Thanks for joining us, John. Yeah, Belinda, thank you so much for having me. So I recently came across your company on LinkedIn, and my interest was peaked when I watched a video of your product being assembled on YouTube. So let's go back to the basics for people who are just who have never heard of LadaCube before. What is LadaCube? Yeah, so LadaCube is a, what I would call a building technology company, um, and really the vision of LadaCube is seeing how we can productize construction. So. We feel like within productization, there are so many benefits to the reusability and the sustainability model of building out spaces and then over time, either reconfiguring those spaces or relocating or selling that product um, to another individual or company to be reused. Yeah, so how did you come up with this idea? Because like, going through architecture school, the idea of Legos. Everyone talks about Legos. Imagine if all construction could just be Legos. Um, so pieces that can come together. And then if you want to grow or expand in the future, just remove certain parts and put in a larger part that, that everyone has this obsession with modularity and Legos when it comes to construction. So how were you able to turn that idea into an actual product? Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a non-traditional story. So as you said, you know, what kid doesn't love Legos? My, my kids have way too many of them. And, uh, but sometimes I love to play with them too, um, even still. But, you know, really uh, my background is not in construction. Um, it's not engineering or architecture. Um, so I actually have a undergrad in history and a master's in counseling psychology. And so at the time I had worked a lot in mental health, um, mostly, mostly with youth. And in uh, 2009 and 10, I was a school counselor, ironically. And um, my wife at the time had a music school and she was thinking about how do we maximize the model um, for awareness of what she was offering. And so part of that was we thought, well, we'll look at some commercial retail space. And so I went out with a real estate broker and looked at five properties and I just came away so frustrated. And I, I'm a man of faith and I was just praying. I said, God, I, why is this bothering me so much? And I, um, the things that were really bothering me were the idea of tying, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars into a space I didn't own. And then feeling like when the lease came due for renewal, I didn't feel like I had any leverage because all my assets were tied to this building. And then the worst part was feeling like, you know, when I leave, it's just going to be all demolished and thrown away. And I was just so bothered by the model and I'd never thought of it before. And um, so I was just in my prayer time, just saying, God, why does this bother me so much? And I, I heard, a, I heard God's voice in my head, you know, which uh, I heard the Lord say, well, I want you to build a wall that looks like a real wall, but can come apart. And I said, I was like, God, you got the wrong guy. I am not the guy. <laughs> and so that was kind of the beginning of the process. Um, and it really took me time to even believe I could do it because I felt really insecure and inefficient um, to be the person to really come up with anything. But my wife has been such a champion for me and just said, you know what, if God's telling you to do this, you need to do it. And so clearly out of obedience, I started making stuff in my garage. And 
but it took two years because I felt so paralyzed. So, so that's a beautiful story. So how did you, once that idea started forming in your head, what were the first steps you took? Because you identify the problem of everything being permanent and like any construction that you do in, inside a particular building, it's permanent. And if you, it's impossible to relocate it, or if there are modular systems out there, they look really cheap. They look temporary. So how did you come up? How did you identify the materials to use to come up with a more polished system that could be taken apart and reused somewhere else? Yeah. So, you know, I think the process for me initially was really researching what existed on the market. Um, and so a lot of those processes initially led me to um, SIPs, uh, structurally insulated panels. Um, so in that process, I was able to, to partner with uh, a few SIP companies, test out my theory um, through small modeling. Um, and so a lot of that modeling was where the product would be fabricated and then sent to my house, um, my residential house. And then I would spend you know, time over months really adding in pieces of technology that I thought needed to be a part of the, of the system. So in that process before that, I you know, took it upon myself to learn SketchUp and I, I really pulled together you know, kind of a charade board and, and really pulled all the pieces of design that I felt like needed to be a part of what I was shown. Um, and so over the course of a couple months, really ended up making the first prototype in my driveway. Um, and it was such a rewarding process because I'd, I'd really never built anything significant in my, in my life. And, and, and so seeing it was something really come, like something that you've imagined and then something that you built with your own two hands, it is a very rewarding uh, feeling. Yeah, it is, you know, it's, it's, uh, I feel like it really takes us back to, you know, some of the things we're probably built for that we've lost as an art. Um, and so, yeah, the process was just, you know, it was pretty archaic in some ways, but it really was the beginning of ideation and really processing through like, how, how could this possibly be done? Um, and so those, yeah, those are some of the early stages of, of the process for me. So it sounded like you first started off using plywood or uh, OSP or something with your SIPS panel, your version of SIPS panels, but then you eventually transitioned to metal systems. And there's yeah. an example right behind you of your current day version. That's probably like version number 100 of the yeah. ladder cube system. Yeah, you know, this represents probably seven years of investment, um, you know, both in time and money and energy. Um, but really, I, I knew in the process, I knew some of the early materials that we were using were not the final solution, but um, I felt a little hamstrung at the time of like, how do I get to this, this vision in my mind of what I know the walls can be? And really, the vision had to be this process of really partnering with some unique engineers that I feel like God put in my life. And in that process, really taking all of these ideas in my head and really working through those with these engineers to really develop what you see now, um, which is our version four, which is really the, the platform that we build off of moving forward. So what does the wall do? Like, how does it come together? What, what can be attached to the wall? Uh, how does yeah. it work? Yeah, so a couple of things. Um, the walls come in pre-built cassettes. So we have uh, basically eight standard sizes. And we've really maximized those sizes from parametric design to be able to understand that with those eight configurations, we can build virtually any floor plan. So, and I say that within, you know, usually typically an inch or two variation at some locations, whereas most locations are pretty spot on. Um, but with those eight cassette sizes, um, we're able to come in 
And with the pre-built uh, blank cassette, we call it, um, we can take a floor plan or you know architectural drawings, um, and we can basically pull those into our, our system. So we're starting to pull generative design into that as well to speed up those drawings. Um, but within a cassette, there's a lot of variability to what you can do to it. So you can add electrical, you can subtract it, you can add plug and play electrical that we have, or you can use standard electrical. You can add blocking or take blocking out or relocate it. Um, we have a wet wall system. We have a power wall that can hold circuit breakers of various sizes. Um, so we're really starting to integrate and pull in all of the unique variations that, you know, that are required on a construction site. So when you say use blocking, are you referring to, you're not talking about traditional two by fours. This is purely a metal wall system, right? Yeah so, yeah, so everything we do is a digital system. So when you look at our cassettes and, and structures, everything we build falls within about a 15 hundredths of an inch tolerance, um, which in traditional construction is unheard of, right? Yes. Um, and so even with the blocking, it's all digital, um, but it's pre-productized pre, um, uh, inventory of material that's that's metal blocking that has variability in terms of where it can be placed within a cassette and then it can be added in or subtracted and each of those blocks is rated at 300 pounds per block and so we work with companies like Herman Miller and they come in and put their cabinets and their sinks and all their products into our walls and they the feedback is we've never put our our product in a straight or truer wall um, wow yeah, so it's kind of a, a really beautiful model of just something that's very hard to achieve with warping wood and drywall. Yes. That's something we're dealing with right now because we're renovating our house, our 1970s home, and oh, yep. none of the walls are straight. And yep. once you add, you have to start adding layers and layers of mud to get something that's manageable. It's just such an outdated method of construction. Yeah, you know, it, it ends up looking beautiful typically, but there's a lot of process in that, right? And a lot of waste. Yes. Um, and so, you know, when you look at just the dilemma of the lack of skilled labor pool, that's really diminishing, you know, we're able to go onto a, pro a project site and we can bring a, like 50% of our crew who have never touched the product ever. And within 30 minutes, they're already assembling, you know, walls and they look like real walls and it, it looks like a finished product. So you mentioned Herman Miller. I think this would be a good time to start talking about who else uses Laticube. It's, yeah. it's not just for temporary walls. It could be display structures. It could be interior walls in homes as well. Yeah, so our, our, one of our dreams is, is housing. Um, we've, done, we've done some small ADU uh, prototypes in the past with previous versions. Um, our version four that we have now, it, it has that potential based on you know, its structural capabilities. Um, but a lot of our clients right now are commercial retail. Um, we're, starting to, we're actually starting to do some residential interior build outs uh, like pole barn structure. Um, we're just customers are looking for efficiencies of speed and scalability. But then over time, they, they see the value in, in taking those products and understanding how they can basically use those as future assets. Um, so one of our one of our biggest clients right now is Walmart, um, which kind of doesn't get too much bigger than that. But um, we've been tasked with building out their vision centers, their optometry centers, um, all those little we'll stores that you see right when you enter Walmart. Yeah, that and seems so, like the ideal 
use for Ladacube because they're constantly having to change those stores, whole different inventory, or, or completely change who's who's uh, inhabiting those stores too. They they're uh, they have different companies in those. Yeah, every, every yeah. Month. They, they call those tenant spaces, which is kind of unique, right? So you kind of have a pre-built hollow shell, um, which allows you to be super creative in terms of using a product like Ladacube. Um, yeah, so our walls are able to go into spaces and um, use existing walls as well. So we can build off of all sorts of existing conditions and structures. Um, so that really plays well with a, a, a client like Walmart. So what's the process when you do identify a client and you start working with them? Do they tell you what they want and then you build out these walls digitally and then fabricate the walls? Or do you have inventory that can be used um, ready to go? Yeah, so it's, it's basically the, system, the process looks similar to this. So we, we have a bunch of blank cassettes in our eight sizes. When a project comes in, we basically configure that project to the client's floor plan. Um, from there, we do four, four key drawings. One's called a centerline drawing. One call, is called a cassette drawing, which actually is sequenced to the project. Um, and that's really critical. Um, and then the silk plate drawing as well, which allows us to lay down the, the groundwork uh, for the for the basically the base plates and build off of that. And then the last one is the electrical diagram. Um, and so what we do is is our engineers basically pull the, all of those documents into our drawings um, and then basically put those into shop orders. And those shop orders go out to our manufacturing uh, facility here in Grand Junction and basically get pulled and configured to that project. And so down to the labeling of the cassettes, the number of when they'll be installed within the project so that you have the efficiency of going to the next pallet, grabbing the very next cassette you need and basically installing it as you go. So there's, it's basically a zero waste product. I mean, there's nothing that has to be done when you transport it to the job site, they just have to assemble it. And even in your factory, you're only making what, what's needed. Yeah, it's it's a really clean process. You know, a lot of that's what we hear a lot in a lot of these job sites is we've never had a cleaner site. Um, so, you know, general contractors, clients will come and say, we can't believe how clean this process is. Um, and so really the only the only customization is basically some last fitting skins that basically will go against existing built walls here and there. So you can reuse 100 percent of the cassettes. And you can reuse roughly 75 to 80% of the skins. Um, and so we've actually transitioned product from one project and actually taken it down and put it into other projects very consistently. So this would be a good time to start talking about the two main product lines that you have. You have the walls, the Lada walls, which is an example that you have right behind you. And you also mentioned the skins, Lada skins. What is yeah. Lada skins? Yeah, so we have... You know, obviously the skins are the finishes and the uniqueness of our skins is we really try to come up with solutions and products that most closely mimic traditional drywall. Um, and part of that is, you know, in, our, in, our, in my opinion, like drywall has this inherent feel that our, that our emotion that you get when you go into spaces and places, it really has a warm feel to it. Um, and then it has the benefits, you know, long-term of the repairability, um, the ability to change up the look through painting or adding on other materials. And so 
So one of our skins that we use is it's a it's a dovetail. Sorry, that's the dovetail is one of them. So the dovetail is a hanger system that has hardware on both sides. It has hardware on the skin side and on the cassette side. And it basically you can take a panel and you can just hang it um, on the cassettes. Um, the other more efficient system that we have is a French cleat system, and that's basically a CNC. Uh, did you know cut groove in the back of our our panels and one of the traditional materials that we use is um, consistently is a half inch fire rated MDF and then we we have our own proprietary material called PBTL and what we do is we we take basically a paper veneer and adhere it to that material and that really gives us the ability on these projects to to paint the walls to have them repainted. Um, when we have damage, we can we can repair it very similarly to traditional drywall. Um, but yeah, but with a lot of the flexibility of, you know, speed uh, and reusability. Very cool. Um, so the paper base, the paper backed uh, skin that you just mentioned, is that on MDF or is that a different backing? Yeah, so the uh, PBTL is on MDF. Um, you know, part of that too is MDF is... is easily to source for us um and it but it also has the the fire rated frtw designation for a lot of these type one and two building requirements for ibc um so the the nice thing in with the the pbtl um is it allows you to to basically you know like i said paint the material repair it um, but we can also do other materials. So we've, we've done projects. We, we have a project getting installed today, actually, um, at the old Hewlett Packer campus in Loveland, Colorado. Um, it's going to be a makerspace. And it's going to be a combination of the PBTL, but also with a polycarbonate wall. So you, the, wall, the entire wall will be semi-transparent. And the nice thing is, is, is that Hewlett Packer campus, former, former Hewlett Packer campus, has a lot of natural light that permeates the space. And so we really wanted to take advantage of that light throughout that space. And so, you so know, solid wall would have disrupted the flow exactly. of light. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's going to be a beautiful project. Um, I'm excited to see some photos at night with the lights on in the space. Um, but it shows the versatility of, of, of a lot of cute products, you know, primarily from the standpoint of, you know, there's, there's so many different options for materials um, that you can use on our walls. On your website, I've seen slatted wooden walls. I've seen this beautiful parametric walls as well. So there's a lot of customizability uh, available with these lot of skins. Yeah, and that was really important for me um, when, we, when I started the company and when I started inventing the product is really, you know, I felt like, we didn't want to be so inclusive as a product that it really left out the creatives, like the designers, right? The architects. And it didn't leave out, you know, the tradespeople as well, that they couldn't, they couldn't work on our walls. And so we've really designed, especially this version four, in a way that, you know, you you can source any material you want as a finish, as long as it falls within some dimensional requirements on thickness. The sky is almost the limit on the materials that you can finish our walls with. Um, you could tile, you could tile it if you wanted to, you know, it has all these flexibilities, um, you know, so we, and even with the trades, like I talked about, you know, we really, we really believe that, you know, you can't take a whole industry and say, yep, sorry, this is so inclusive, you can't use our product or work on it. So we, you know, you could, you could wire, 
you could have an electrician come and do all the electrical and it can integrate with our walls. Um, we have a wet wall for plumbing. So plumbers can basically, you know, plumb everything within that cassette. Um, so yeah, we really try to, you know, have a product that everyone can engage with. That's amazing. So how has the demand been since you started this company in 2013? I bet it's a lot of people in the industry are pretty excited about this. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's a mixed bag, I think, in some ways. Um, it's We've kind of maintained under the radar for quite a while. And I think it was, obviously, in my in my heart, I was like, man, I just want this to explode and take off. But I feel like, you know, I feel like God was really patient with us and said, yeah, that's probably not a good scale plan for you. So, and really the process for me over the last 10 years has been really a process of proving the product out for myself. Um, and so we, you know, early on, we had the pleasure of doing some projects for, for WeWork, um, some prototype projects for their WeLive concept at the time in 2016. Oh, that makes sense too, that those con. It, that seems like a good application for a lot of cube, a lot of walls. Yeah, we came in and built these really cool cabin pods and they had, you know, one side was all glass with a curved glass going around. Um, and so it was kind of looking at the reuse of, you know, um, space and understanding, you know, what spaces are permitted for, but how maybe you could take a studio apartment and turn it into a four bedroom apartment. Um, so th there were some unique models, you know, and then we had the pleasure of doing a few projects for Tesla at the Tesla Gigafactory early on. So um, built out a conference room and, and uh, a phone booth. Um, and the phone booth is kind of like uh, just the smallest application you can get right on a, on a product, I think, for, of ours to be able to showcase the technology. Um, so, yeah, so we've had some really unique opportunities early on. Um, but now we're kind of at this stage where we are seeing a lot of interest. It's a lot of big key, big companies um, that I think are able to absorb, you know, the, the, the excitement and, and, and kind of the, the lift it takes to really go with something so uniquely different. Yeah. Um, but I do, believe, I do believe that will just continue to, to, to grow and increase as well. And like you mentioned at the start of our conversation, issues like labor shortages are definitely driving people to look for products like yours, something yeah. that can just be easily slotted on site with minimal skill labor involved. And you can see the results pretty fast. You don't need to opt for traditional uh, methods of construction to, to see a, a really polished result. Yeah. Yeah. And we're seeing, you know, adaptive reuse, especially after COVID has been really huge. And companies, you know, I think, especially during COVID, I feel like there was a lot, and understandably, there was a lot of just companies being paralyzed of like, what do, how, what will this look like moving forward? How do we do this? And so a product like Cube just seems like the timing is so perfect of yeah. saying, well, you don't have to fully have something, you know, if you do a project, it doesn't have to be set in stone for the next 10, 15, 20 years. You know, you have the flexibility now to take those assets and reconfigure them, reuse them, relocate them. Um, do you so buy back the cassettes from uh, customers after they, so they don't need it anymore? They decide to move? Yeah, that's one of our visions is having a buyback program. Um, and I actually believe that there'll be a big market for resale. So almost like the Craigslist of Lottacube where individuals or companies can say, oh, we need this size cassette and this, and they can go on that site. You know, we'll probably have some of that too on our website eventually, but, and you can basically say, because it is a product, you can say, I need this, I need five of these, um, have them shipped. And that's the other thing is the speed. 
the speed is kind of unheard of. So, um, you know, our vision as a company is that any project we can turn around in two weeks. Um, wow. So that's really, we're, we're probably around four weeks right now, um, which is still pretty good, um, but we're working towards the two weeks and a lot of software and, and generative design plays into that quite a bit, um, which we can talk about at some point, but but yeah, speed, we'll go, we'll go do a project for Walmart that would normally take about 30 days and we'll do that project in four days. So is the product entirely made in the States? Um, it's a combination. So we originally started out with manufacturing in the States in Colorado, um, complete manufacturing. So fabrication of our parts and pieces. Um, we, in that process, have since transitioned to, we have fabrication now in Mexico and in uh, South Africa. Okay. So you talked about how software plays a huge role in y'all bringing down the lead times from four weeks down to two weeks and being one of the fastest solutions out there on the market. So what, what are you parametric? What's the parametric side of your business? Yeah. Yeah. So kind of some things that we're doing is, is early on, we started to see that you know, working with architectural firms, um, the process is so tedious, right? And it's not, it's not their fault, right? Um, so I, when I say this, I'm not like pointing the finger. Um, Don't worry, I'm a self-hating architect. So. Okay. <laughs> um, but really we would see, we would see a couple of things. We would see design take quite a long time. And in that design, we would see repeated mistakes because they're, you know, they're doing hundreds of layouts, especially in the Walmart situation. Like we're just one category of many. And so we would go to sites and we assumed that some of the product like light switches, outlets, um, those things were in correct locations. And we'd go on site after we built something and they'd say, oh wait, you know, the head architect would say, well, this isn't in the right location. And we'd say, well, okay, how do we fix that? So what we did was we started coming up and you, you've heard these concepts before, but we started creating kit parts. And so with that kit of parts, um, from our standpoint, what that looks like is we take standardization of components. And so like Walmart's a perfect example because you'll, you'll have the same like focal wall as one of the applications. You'll have the same section of wall that would be consistent from store to store across the chain. And so what we've done is we've kitted that out so that we know exactly where all the outlets go, where all the hangers go, where all the anchors go, and we're able to pull that into generative design th through the software, through drawings, to be able to pump those into the drawings right away. And so something that might take, you know, an hour or two to design some of those components, now you can get it done in about two minutes or less. And then you'll get a quantity takeoff directly from that, and it just speeds yep. up everything. Whole it's process. Yeah, and it's beautiful, right? Because instead of the architects drawing the same wall over and over and over again, um, you're literally pulling components in um, into the drawing. And then the, the nice thing about that data is it not only computes to that side, but it spits all the information out for us from a pricing standpoint for the customer, um, from a manufacturing, from an inventory. Um, so it's, it's a really beautiful system. There's so much clarity and then and so much transparency because you know what, how much the quantity you need and uh, how much of each material you need. There's just less back and forth going on between you and the architect or the client. Yeah, if I can tell you the first project we did with Walmart, um, and this this was on our end too, because we we were learning a lot. It took about 150 hours to design. 
um, you know, and then we slowly started chipping away, you know, and now we're, we're down to roughly two hours and we're going to get that probably down around 15 minutes. That's amazing that Walmart has been so such a good partner with y'all to help y'all grow, figure out all the kinks and streamline your process. Uh, I guess they identified the the value of your product really early and uh, sounds like they've, they've been really good for your business. Yeah, they've been remarkable. So we work with a division called Health Walmart Health and Wellness and they're a newer division within the last couple of years. And they are doing some of the mo- most groundbreaking innovation I've ever seen. Um, they just do a beautiful job of really pressing into trying to change the way things are done. Um, unlike anybody that I've ever worked with, um, you know, e- even to the point when you look at their model for healthcare, um, they're really pressing into healthcare models where you don't you, you don't have to have insurance, um, and you can literally do you can walk in and pay fifty dollars for a doctor's visit with no insurance. And so they're really I, like doing beautiful things that I think will really help people tremendously and really take some of the overhead and the burdensome out of the process. Um, so wow. it's if you ever get a chance, look into it. It's they have a number of clinics that are up and running, um, and I've just been really overwhelmingly impressed with the things that they're pressing into. That's awesome. I didn't know that. And this might be something you can't share with us, but I've heard that uh, Walmart's expanding their headquarters in Bentonville, Arkansas. How are you involved in any of those projects? Yeah. So obviously you can look it up and see what they're doing, um, building a, a brand new, beautiful campus, a lot of uh, CLT, um, which is really exciting. Uh, I think they're going to probably end up with, my guess, is probably one of the biggest CLT factories. Wow, <laughs> and, really? Yeah, based off of you know the stuff they need to build and what they're pressing into. Um, but yeah, that's kind of all I know. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's exciting. So another exciting development in your company is you recently acquired rights to sell um, a product called X-Frame. Is that correct? I saw it on yeah. one of your LinkedIn posts. Yeah, that's correct. So um, when I, I was living in California, Northern California um, two years ago and during our, t- our time out there as a family, um, met a gentleman named Brett Jackson, who's the CEO of a company out of Australia called Innovise. And what Innovise does is they go around um, to universities and they find technologies and they help the inventors basically bring those technologies to life. Um, and so in that process, they had just acquired uh, a partnership with X-Frame, who, which was started by Jed Finch in uh, New Zealand from Victoria University. So Jed is a PhD student at Victoria University in architecture. Um, and so in that process, uh, you know, Jed, uh, sorry, Brett asked uh, me if I would connect with Jed and kind of tell him like, you know, I don't know, not, I don't know if it's mentor, but kind of give him ideas and, and kind of encourage him in the process of what he was walking in. And so we really connected and, and in that process, they eventually came to me and said, we really would love for you to, to launch our product in North America. And at first I said, no, I, I don't think I'm the guy. And um, so I just, they kept asking me and I prayed about it and I said, okay. And then they, and we kind of went through that process. And so, yeah, we launched uh, literally June 13th uh, at Neocon in Chicago. Very exciting. So what, what does X-Frame do and how does it work with your system? Yeah, so X-Frame is, is very uh, similar in, in concept. Um, when you think of 
volumetric, you know, parametric wall systems and the speed to build. Um, so, but it's very different in its materials and the, the way we go about it. So the X-Frame system is what I would most similarly say is kind of like the future of stick built. Um, so it's literally a CNC system that allows you to build structure. Um, and then over time, you can reconfigure that structure, you can take it apart. Um, and so those parts and pieces, the, you know, most anybody can build with. So it literally is built with, an, with a rubber mallet. Um, so it's all pressure fitted, um, digital, and it allows, yeah, for quick builds. So it actually started out as an accessory dwelling unit building product and has built a number of ADUs in Australia and New Zealand. Um, and then we kind of saw this opportunity to, in the initial launch in the USA was basically, or North America was basically to really start looking at it also as an interior build out platform um, to be able to build offices, conference rooms, um, phone booths, um, wall dividers. And so those are some of the, the initial bespoke products. So do you see it working as it, like integrating the X-Frame into the Lada Cube or do you see them working like side by side? Yeah, I think what I'm seeing is they're probably more side by side. Yeah. So they'll be able to come into similar spaces and places. They'll be able to like Lada Cube will kind of have its, its role in more of the type one and two building requirements, whereas X-Frame can come in and do more independent uh, product pieces that are maybe would be classified as furniture, furniture or tangible property. Even though I know X-Frame can is structural, I think it's it's when you run into the type one and two building requirements, I think you're kind of not stuck, but you're kind of you kind of it kind of diverts the product in different directions. Um, but if you're looking at the other building types, you could also use X-Frame to do a lot of structure as well. And there's plenty of uh, a need to for products like X-Frame and Lada Cube. So I don't think they're actually like competition. Uh, no, not at all. I think there's plenty of demand and a need for both both systems. Yeah, well, in the X-Frame too, you know, it's 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 all wood. It's very circular. So I mean, you know, obviously with with Lada Cube system, we're always looking at you know, how much of recycled iron ore and other materials are, sorry, iron ore with recycled metal are being used in our product, right? So we're, we're now at roughly 30% recycled metal with iron ore, and we'd love to increase that. And we're looking at some models to do that and talking with some companies of how we can really take that carbon footprint out completely and use fully recycled material. Um, whereas X-Frame is, it's, it's a wood product and, you know, fully circular right from the start. That's very exciting. So um, how do you uh, see Lada Cube growing in the next five years or so? What markets yeah, would you like to break into? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think we would love to continue on, on the commercial build out space for sure. Um, we see tremendous growth opportunity in that area. I'd love to get to a point where, you know, we're hitting a lot of different markets and a different, different people that could really benefit from the product. Um, you know, we also have aspirations to eventually get into residential and, uh, you know, have a product use for, for building houses, um, you know, and part of that for me is just, you know, wanting to remove some of the cost from the model of the residential model, um, whether that's apartments, right, or um, single family housing. Um, because as you know, the, the costs have just gotten so out of control and it's really left a ton of people out of the market 
Um, so I think about my own kids, like, you know, I don't, for them to be able to afford a house and not for it to be such a heavy burden for them. I feel like it's my responsibility to figure out how our products can get to the point where we can kind of like electronics, right. And other industries bring the cost down and make them more consistent over time. Um, so as you know, housing is one of the, or sorry, construction in general is one of the top five industries in the world from an economic standpoint, but it's out of the top five, it's the only one that's never had a technological revolution Absolutely. and the costs continue to just skyrocket. That's amazing. Well, it's, I, like I said at the start of this, I was fascinated when I saw the video of your product coming together. I hadn't even heard of Laudacube. You've been operating no. in stealth mode for a couple of years, it seems. <laughs> um, so people want to learn more. What's the best way to reach out to y'all? Yeah, so um, we have our website, ladacube.com. So it's L-A-D-A-C-U-B-E. Um, so there's some information there. Our Instagram is really full of a lot of cutting edge information and photos. Um, and then, you know, LinkedIn is another way, but our email is info, I-N-F-O at ladacube.com. And um, yeah, so we'd love to talk with anybody. We'd, we're really good at taking projects and, and saying, is this the best solution? Um, or do we have, should we refer a customer to another client, you know, to another customer, sorry, to another manufacturer? You know, we're, I'm really a big proponent of, you know, we don't have all the solutions. We have quite a few, but there's so many really awesome things happening in the construction industry. Well, thank you so much, uh, John, for coming on the podcast and telling us everything about Laudacube and X-Frame. Um, Hope to visit your factory someday and see all this in, in person. Yeah, we'd love to have you. We welcome anybody to come by. We do tours. Um, and uh, yeah, my, just I'm so pleased to get to you know sit here with you. And uh, yeah, just thank you for having me. Thank you for being on our show, John. Really appreciate it.